Hello everyone, welcome to that food podcast. We're back after our little summer break with holidays and work and time off delights. My name is Stu and I'm joined as always by my good friend Matt. Matt, how are you doing on this lovely sunny day? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just going to put a small disclaimer in to start. I do have a, um, a touch of bronchitis, I think, so I've had a bit of a, a bad cough for the past week or so. I'm definitely over the worst of it, um, but I may be hacking up a lung at some point during the podcast. I will try to suppress it the best I can. But I apologise to you now, Tax, and also the uh, the listeners too. Um, but, you know, it's been a while, hasn't it? So it's three weeks probably since we've done our last one. We've had holidays and various other things kind of uh, happening in our lives. So we're going to have a little bit of a catch-up episode today, aren't we? It's going to be lovely. You know, again, we've only sort of shared a few messages over... Um facebook messenger and obviously you know everyone likes it when people cough up a lung because you know we all like to cook with offal so it's all good fun it's all good fun lovely stuff so nicely put (laughs) so um after our last um episode i went away on holiday to somerset which was i'm gonna say very nice because looking back on it there were some very nice very nice parts of the holiday but i will probably go out on a limb Yes. And I have discussed this with my wife, so it's not going to be a shock to her when she listens to this. She's not going to suddenly get upset when I say this. I'm pretty certain this was the worst holiday I've ever been <laughs> oh, on. Oh, mate. I'm so sorry to hear that. Somerset's such a lovely part of the world. Uh, you are telling me and, and the uh, listeners as well that you, you haven't been on holiday for so long as well. So I know you're really looking forward to it. So I'm really sorry to hear that. But I mean, it all starts well. So on the Friday, we drove down to Somerset and we stopped off at Peppa Pig World for our our first stop which was pouring down with rain blowing a gale um but we still made good fun of it but as you would expect if you spend your entire day out in the pouring rain and i should mention harriet very much enjoyed peppa pig world but her personal highlight of the um the adventure was the pirate show that they did which had nothing to do with peppa pig so good (laughs) that we had to go back two hours later to watch it again which was awesome so that sounds brilliant and also so picture this and again listeners if you have children you've probably done sort of a similar thing so Peppa Pig and her little brother George were walking around the park and there's an opportunity to get a photograph with both of them everyone loves that and obviously technically it's related to food podcasts you know pig bacon very tasty so we (laughs) queued up (laughs) we queued up to see Peppa and George and we got to the front of the queue Harriet stood in front of Peppa and George I got ready to go and take the photograph and then one of Peppa's handlers turned around and said, no, you've got to come inside for a break. <laughs> so oh, no. Peppa just walks inside. George tries to follow. And the handler says, no, George, you have to stay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my daughter's just looking bemused. This case of, right, so I have a picture with George, who isn't, it's not called George Pigworld. <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, was so, she heartbroken? Uh no, I think she was just more excited about going getting some lunch or going <laughs> to see a pirate show. Good. So, But I just thought, imagine that if you've got a small, you know, Harriet's four now. And I don't think she was overly happy with just a picture with George. But, you know, these things happen. So um, close yet so far. But again, it's standing in the queue in the pouring rain. Obviously, oh, everyone I... trying to maintain the social distance, some people better than others. Mm-hmm. And so we then drive off after Peppa Pig World, quite, quite soggy to go to our lovely little holiday cottage we found it we parked up we walked in very good unloaded the car excellent sat down we'd taken a picnic tea with us so we had that at the table issue number one two bedroom 
cottage, which is actually you know a little cottage with a mezzanine. Mezzanine where the second bedroom was did not have a door; it was just curtains. So right. after putting Harriet to bed, she noticed we were downstairs. So we, me and Leanne had to sit in silence till about half past eight to nine o'clock every evening for Harriet to fall asleep, and then. If we were going to watch the telly, it was on very quietly. <laughs> right. Which what? Which wasn't great for Eurovision, as we'll get to later. Um, <laughs> and then, the, the ultimate kicker, so this mezzanine bedroom had a skylight to it. And as we know at the moment, we're into the beautiful delights of, you know, summer, summer, summertime. <laughs> um, the blind on the skylight didn't cover the window so at about half past four every morning when the sun came up it woke her up so up at 4 30 every morning for the holiday first night we got there obviously pouring down with rain very cold very wet two story cheaters in the entire cottage it was freezing oh, absolutely no. yeah. frozen yeah so again it wasn't ideal oh, next day yeah. next day really really warm and we're like this is incredible okay good went to go and uh get some jam out to make put some jam on toast, open the lid. What came off the lid? An entire army of ants had oh. suddenly made their way into the cottage. So we had an ant problem. Then later that day, don't worry, the heat disappeared and then it started to rain heavily again. Oh, and we were, sat there, we were sat there in the evening silently and I heard this noise. And I thought, what is that? And I looked up at the ceiling and the roof was leaking <laughs> into the little kitchenette area. And I was like, right. This isn't very good. So, far, so, I good. so I messaged the owner. I said, hello, <coughs> just a couple of things. There seems to be an ant infestation in your house. So that's not great. And also the roof is leaking. I got a text back the next day going, we'll come and sort out the ants. Brilliant. Thanks. And then they said, yeah, we know about the roof. Um, we are meaning to get around to fixing it. Don't run out your cottage then. <laughs> Don't that's, rent that's out your cottage if you terrible. know it leaks. That's really bad. Did you, were you able to come to some sort of compromise with a refund or anything or? I mean, at that stage, I was quite, quite angry. And then we're sat there. I think it's the Tuesday night of the holiday. It's nine o'clock. Leanne gets a phone call from my mother-in-law to oh. say, unfortunately, our beloved cat, Taffy, had died during oh, the day. You, you told me about this. I, I, I was really heartbroken for you. And I, I've met Taffy, a lovely cat. Um, I'm very sorry to hear that, mate. And I think that, if, if anything, you know, that took the shine off any form of holiday. Yeah. Um, I might, apparently, my mother-in-law had texted me in the morning to let me know something bad had happened, but I never got the text message. So I have no idea who got a message <laughs> oh. that there was a dead cat in the oh, garden. Someone else knows then, I guess. Yeah. But, oh, but by mate. the sound of things, he was, um, she found him in his normal sunbathing spot. So uh, it sounds like, a, like, whether it be pet or human, uh, going... In your sleep, nice and peacefully. Doesn't look mm -hmm. like he had any, any issue. You know, it was quite an old cat. So it was a real shame. But then obviously having to tell a four-year-old on holiday, trying to explain it. So obviously yep. she was very upset. And then classic four-year-old logic came in. <laughs> she said to Leah, she said, don't worry, mummy. We'll just buy a new cat and call that Taffy. <laughs> I like her, her style. So um, will you be getting a new cat, do you think? Or are you going to leave it for a little while? I think we'll be leaving it for a while, but um, but Harriet did have the wonderful idea while we were away, and she said, "Daddy, we should get a statue for Taffy in the garden," Aww. and just went on and on about having a statue. So Leanne ended up having to find one <laughs> to no, put think... essentially over it, and it sounds a bit, 
it sounds a bit dark really but in a way it was quite nice that it happened when we were away because obviously the last time we saw him he was happy he was laying on our bed having yeah. cuddles and he seemed very very happy and also knowing full well that my mother-in-law had to dig a hole and bury our cat in the garden <laughs> meaning i didn't have to do it so in a way all's well that ends well <laughs> oh well again i'm very sorry to hear that um uh, it's it's never nice when a, a a pet passes away, but to know that he was in the sunshine in his favourite spot, um, and that you did get to see him when he was happy uh, before he went, that's uh, the best way forward. So, but but some food victories on this holiday, because obviously if you're away, you're going to want to enjoy some nice food. Um, there was a little pub near us called the Mendip Inn, which was very very nice. If you're uh, ever over in the Somerset direction. It was very, very tasty. And the first night we went there, it was um, sort of Sunday lunch, and I had a vegetable Wellington. And oh my goodness, it mm. was delicious. It was fantastic. Great home, like, homegrown veg, lovely gravy, very, very, very nice. But as a comparison, I went back to this pub on our last day when we were on holiday, and I had the brisket Wellington. Okay. And I'm very much surprised that whilst, it, again, it was delicious, I preferred the veggie one. I think it just hey. had a, a much f- uh, fresher flavour to it. So that was that was good. And also, you know, we went one of the days we went down to Western Supermare to go down to the pier and pl- you know, play there for a bit. And obviously on my walk down to the beach, someone was making freshly made donuts. Just classic ring donut, sugar. Very, very, very nice. Followed by fish and chips on the beach, which was... Oh, that's always no, nice, these, isn't it? These these are the nice nice wins. But um, yep. obviously, after I went away on holiday, you also had a break as well. It did. So we ended up in the northeast of England to visit family. So Amy's, uh, I've mentioned previously, she's from Sunderland. So we were up there visiting, uh, visiting family, um, having a bit of a catch up with those that we haven't seen for a while. So that's really, really nice to get the opportunity to do that. Um, fairly sort of standard fare with um, usual sort of family catch ups. We had... Um, they, Amy's mum and dad have a lovely new apartment which overlooks the uh, the coast uh, along the seafront in Sunderland. Uh, it's a really beautiful place. Um, not many people probably see Sunderland as a destination spot, but actually if you get the chance to go up there, really, really beautiful seafront. Um, lots of nice surrounding areas as well. And really, really lovely people too. So definitely worth a trip up to North East if anyone ever gets the chance. Um, we actually spent a couple of days a little bit further up north as well in um, the county of Northumberland, um, where we went on a little camping trip for a couple of nights. And as a part of that, we went across to um, a place called the Holy Island, um, which is only accessible um, for certain parts of the day when the tide is out. So really, really interesting kind of dynamic going on there. Uh, the tide is out for you know a few hours a day at which point you can cross. And then the fun part is make sure you get back in time so you don't miss the uh, the crossing. <laughs> um, but whilst we were there, we had a really nice experience. We got to see lots of nice wildlife, um, which I'll touch on a little bit later. But we also went to a pub called the Crown and Anchor, um, which... Now, Stu, do you like um, scotch eggs? I do like scotch eggs. Okay, good start. Do you like smoked kippers? I do like smoked kippers. Well, in that case, you might like a uh, smoked kipper scotch egg, which was... That sounds incredible. It was. So it was a very sort of a smoky version of a sc- scotch egg. And again, I'm quite a fan of both ingredients. 
when you combine them together, really, really good. Very, very tasty. Lovely, um, lovely service at the pub as well. So uh, we just happened to be late for their last um, food serving times. Um, we're about 10 minutes after time. Uh, so the lady very kindly called back to the kitchen, see if they could still do some food for us. And they did. So really, really nice uh, experience going to that pub. Um, and again, if anyone ever gets a chance to get up to Northumberland um, and the Holy Island and areas that surround there, go for it. Cause it's such a beautiful part of the world. Um, the other part of our trip when we were up that way was a boat tour. And this is where the, um, the wildlife sightings really came in. This is brilliant. So we took a boat trip across to um, a collection of islands called the Farn Islands off the coast of Northumberland. And such a brilliant day we had the weather for it the the sun was shining um the sort of days previous to that there was a lot of uh, fog and mist on the seafront as well coming into the coast but on that particular day it, it cleared out completely um so really good visibility uh, very little wind and i got to see my first and this is quite exciting for me and hopefully some of you guys listening can share my passion on this one as well i'm a bit of a, a nature nerd um, I got to see my first collection of puffins, and it's amazing. It's so cool. Um, and amongst that as well, we got to see some grey seals and common seals and guillemots and um, kittiwakes and uh, razorbills as well. Quite a few species that I hadn't had the privilege of seeing in, the, in person uh, previously. So really, really nice trip up there. Um, had a lovely time. Um, what other food bits we have? I'm just trying to think. A lot of... <laughs> Amy's mum was very kind to us. She kept us well fed whilst we were up there. Uh, so it was nice to have a bit of home cooking too. So um, just a little mention for Amy's mum who looked after us very well whilst we were up there. So thank you very much, mother-in-law. Um, but, you yeah, know, we had a great time. Um, yeah, perfect kind of trip, really. Um, but then we had the long, 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 long drive back down uh, on the Wednesday of that week because the very next day I had a interview for a new job. Ooh, very exciting. <laughs> so we had the six-hour drive down on the Wednesday evening, as I said. Um, and so we did cut our trip a little bit shorter than we were originally going to plan. Um, but I had to be back because I had an interview for a uh, nature reserve ranger role. Um, and so I went along to that on the Thursday afternoon. Uh, a little bit uh, bedraggled from the uh, long journey and the sort of fairly hectic holiday before that. Um, and Friday morning, it, uh, I felt like it went quite well on the, on the day. There's always these things, isn't there, Stu, when you go for interviews, you think, oh, I should have said this, that, and the other, and, you know, you kind of feel like you missed opportunities to say the right thing at the right, right time. However, I got the phone call on Friday morning, um, informing me that I have been successful in the job role. So, um, <laughs> Huzzah! so I can proudly say I am going to be the nature reserve ranger for a lovely little spot down in Folkestone called the Warren um, and also a spot in Dover called High Meadows so I'll be looking after both of them um, and really looking forward to getting started part of the job role will be habitat management which is kind of managing natural areas for um, to encourage different species to you know live there and thrive and uh, increased biodiversity and things like that. Uh, there will be a little bit of livestock management as well. They they do use um, horses and cattle to help graze the land, um, which I'll be keeping an eye on too. Um, 
there will be a little bit of species monitoring as well, just to see what we do have in terms of um, insects and flowers and things like that in the in the areas. Um, and there will also be a little bit of community engagement as well. And not it wasn't just my conservation background, which went down well with the interview, but also my uh, fitness qualifications as well. So um, they're hoping that I can help out with some of the uh, community engagement, getting people involved, uh, getting being more active in green spaces. So um, yeah, kind of it would be in a way a amalgamation of two of my passions uh, all in one place. So I'm really looking forward to getting started. Looking forward That's to awesome. the uh, prospects with the, the job role as well. So um, yeah, thank you. I, I think I said <laughs> it's a little bit of therapy now, but I did say a few weeks ago on the podcast that I was in a place, I think it was the wrestling episode. I was in a place where I was really kind of, I was thankful for the job role that I had at the gym, but I was very unsure of, you know, where that was going to take me and what, what I what I really want to do uh, with myself, I suppose, uh, after after sort of um, my business uh, closed last year. But I actually feel like I am um, on track again now. And July 12th, when my, um, my provisional start date is, uh, I feel like I'm kind of starting, you know, the first day of the rest of my career. So really look forward to getting involved in that. And it's such a great, role by the sound of things to actually have a positive impact on those those two zones that you're going to be looking after um, especially uh, with regards to habitat management as well it's some of the things that we've spoken about on previous episodes of the podcast which is really really cool and you know as you said things like community engagement it's well some people go community engagement uh talking to people but if mm-hmm. you can get people exercising more and more in green spaces utilizing the land that's there and appreciating some of the stuff that you know is local because like you said you know people <coughs> if the, if you're in kent you hear folks and you go oh it's a bit oh, it's a bit rough around the edges it's not great but if you've never been to the warren you know you don't know how fantastic it is what a fantastic area there is and it's just hopefully raising more awareness of these areas where people can go uh, enjoy some green space and also learn about different things as you said the the, the different types of habitat and you know planting any types of of growth that that you can find there it's going to be unbelievable it's going to be a really really exciting role and as i know like you said before on the previous pod you know working in the gym it was great and it was very very good that you had a job during such a horrific global time and you know as we said it's not being ungrateful to 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 what either of us have in our in our jobs and our roles because we know we're certainly a lot more fortunate than others who have struggled considerably during the last sort of 12 18 months But it's it's so nice to be able to go and do something you're passionate about, and it also then frees up the role because you know you, you can imagine the number of people who are really set on being like PTs or being sports coaches, and now this you going to a role which you're really passionate about will free up a role for someone else super passionate about being in that gym to go and take on the great work you did there and take the ball and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. That's it, isn't it? The the world keeps turning, and uh, uh, I hope that. You know, I, I again, I'm thankful for that job role, and I hope whoever slots into that role um, has a good time and enjoys it as much as I have. Um, and something I have found through working there, and I suppose to a certain extent as a coach as well, um, I am really happy talking to people about what I'm passionate about. I guess you know, I guess this podcast proves that to a certain extent too. Um, and it's something I've become a lot more confident with, and I am looking forward to. 
you know, both elements of the new job role. Um, you know, I, there will be days where I just want to switch off and uh, just do manage the land and have a day to myself. But the days where I'm uh, working with community as well, that's going to be awesome too because I can hopefully uh, inspire some other people to kind of be a bit more, uh, uh, you know, interested in green spaces and uh, those that are already interested, you know, give them a little bit of knowledge that they can take away and um, use in the future as well. So, yeah, really look forward to it. The the only, and this is where we should mention this, Stu, the only downside of the job role is that it's going to occupy my days quite a bit more and I'll be in a field more often. So, uh, it, sadly, we are going to have to announce as of today that we are kind of ramping down towards our final couple of episodes. Um, so, we're going to do today's episode where we're going to talk about uh, our soup, which um, uh, Stu chose uh, based on our Eurovision love. And then we're going to do one more episode, which we'll do as a bit of a wrap-up episode. And what we're asking you guys, if you're listening to today's episode, is what we've really enjoyed in the past is interaction from you guys and a little bit of Q&A as well. So if you have any questions kind of to round off our last episode, um, if there's any, any areas you want us to touch on or whether it's about um, our wrestling or anything else or with our food love or nature or anything that you want to talk about, um, send us your questions in, please. Uh, we'd love our last episode to be an interactive episode. So please, wherever you contact us on Twitter at that food pod um, or Instagram or Facebook or even by email, um, please give us a shout and we'll love to... Uh, have a nice interactive session to uh to say farewell yeah i think it's i mean as you said you know there, there's no logistical way we could continue it because obviously even if you were in the field and said yeah i'll take my lunch break early and we'll have a chat there's no guarantee you're going to have signal and also i was going to say you know it's nice they interviewed you in the spring summertime <laughs> oh it's lovely to be outdoors cut <laughs> to the, the cold winters in kent because of uh. <laughs> yeah oh, there, there will be days where i'm hating life but i think the good will outweigh the bad for sure oh definitely <laughs> but as, as matt said you know we've we've had an absolute blast doing this pod and we'll talk more about it in sort of the, the summing up um episode um in a couple of weeks time so Get your questions in at that food pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us at thatfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you've got any questions you want to ask us <coughs> on any topic, it's literally Excuse an me. ask us anything um, caliber of show. Um, I will semi jump back to my holiday because it links quite nicely to food in the news. Um, nice. So, as part of my holiday, I went down to Bristol um, for a day. With, with my wife and my daughter. We went to a wonderful uh, sort of innovative um, science museum there, which Harriet adored. It was really, really good. But we were uh, in Brighton. We really, uh, sorry, not Brighton. We were in Bristol and we really, really loved it. And um, only yesterday, uh, Bristol was actually named as the gold sustainability food city. Oh, so nice. a city allotment scheme and community kitchens have been recognized um, with a gold sustainable food award. Um, the application by Citywide Initiative of um, Bristol Going for Gold focused on reducing food waste and the work of community action groups. So it's really good to see that different communities are really sort of pulling together to have this fantastic sustainable living. So a number of community schemes were included in the bid for this, including food clubs, which were 
uh, in a partnership between Family Action, Feeding Bristol and Fair Share Southwest. It's got 16 clubs across the city providing nutritious foods to families at reduced prices as well, which means obviously everyone can get a get some fresh fruit veg for lower than supermarket prices as well as having sort of that tasty and varied varied diet and also um they've also got um, a dementia friendly allotment scheme called alive um down there which is also featured in this application and sort of one of the uh, the community spokespeople uh, had the quote they said you know allotments are vital to their community hub um but they also um, obviously came into their own during lockdown because people just wanted to have that space to get outside. So it's really cool to see that Bristol like, are pushing forward with this um, this gold standard of sustainability. So I thought it was a really interesting thing to see, especially as my veg plot at home is starting to grow, although I did make a small error with my lettuce. Oh, what I happened to your lettuce? I left it too long to pick on some of the uh, leaves. So it's no. it's got a very, very strong sort of mustardy uh flavor to it now so obviously i know sort of some of the 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 mustards and so if you're looking at sort of flavored things like rockets and everything you get a little bit of a kick to it and i quite like it you know i i like it in my salads for what i've grown so far um but others are are not so keen but i very much enjoyed my little vegetable patch going quite well my tomatoes are coming along nicely my beetroot's growing reseeded some um, different types of lettuce and some spinach my peppers and chili peppers are coming along nicely so my plan hopefully by mid-july um my wife's starting something called the g plan diet which i think we've spoken about historically which is um to adjust your gut bacteria but for the three but for the three weeks she's doing that i'm obviously going to be making sure i keep to my own menus but what i really want to do for a whole week is to see how sustainable I could be just from my garden. So to see if I could try and do so things like smoothies, because obviously we've got the pear tree growing, we've got our plum tree growing, so I think I could make smoothies, shakes, vegetable bakes. There might be a few things I need to maybe sort of buy in, like some eggs, because obviously if I had chickens, then I'd be doing it myself. Um, But see how sustainable I can be just purely out of my garden, which is what I'm quite looking forward to doing um, next month. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. um, One of the things I'm really looking forward to when we move into our new home, uh, we still haven't got a date yet, but, um, you know, that's solicitors for you, I suppose. Um, We uh, are really hoping to start growing our own stuff as well. So I'll certainly be picking your, your brains about that a little bit to get some of your advice on the experience that you've had so far. Um, and just going back to your trip to Bristol, I, um, as you know, grew up in Swindon, so Bristol's not too far. It's just down the road from Swindon. Uh, and we used to visit Bristol quite often. And I have been to the science museum that you're talking about, and it's a wonderful place. Do they still have the, um, the stargazing lab where you can go and see the sky at night? They do. They, this is the, it's called We the Curious, um, which is where it's called. But yeah, they still have okay. the stargazing thing yeah. down there. It Lovely. was... A, a really really good day out i, I think it's my favorite day of the of the holiday that we had yeah so bristol lovely place lovely culture really yeah. really happy with it yeah bristol's lovely I, I do i do like the area and um it's such a vibrant place with the different cultures as you as you've already mentioned um lots and lots of nice food stalls around so yeah top foodie place um really interesting place to go to lots of history so obviously my plan come July is to live off my garden but you know sometimes all the best will in the world 
people will fail with these goals and they'll reach for the takeaway menu. Now, you and I have both spoken in the past that while we know it's overpriced and sometimes you can get a better pizza from a supermarket, we have in the past, obviously, spoken of the enjoyment of ordering Domino's and then feeling dehydrated for three days (laughs) afterwards, but it's still nice at the time. Were you ever a fan at Domino's of their double decadence crust, which is like the two bases with like the creamy garlicky cheese in the middle? (laughs) I think I I did have it once um, when we were... My friends and I were going through a proper Domino's pizza phase. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned, but the le- legend is that we had Domino's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner one day. And um, we ha- I think I have tried the double decadence, but I didn't particularly enjoy it. Uh, it was, uh, oh, it's rancid. It's, <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it just didn't, didn't taste nice at all. Like, it, the theory, I guess, is good, but in practice, mm, no, not for me. Well, they stopped doing it in 2018, and apparently Good. there was mass uproar <laughs> for the double decadence. There have really? been petitions. There have been people moaning <laughs> that the double decadence has been taken away. That's completely well, don't the opposite. Worry. That's what I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if you're one of those people who hate <laughs> pizza, <laughs> good news. <laughs> Domino's are bringing back the double uh, decadence crust after, no. a t- after a three-year absence. Okay. So, Thanks but for the, the bad. <laughs> but the bad news is it will initially only be available <coughs> for a limited time so it's only coming back for a short short period of time which means someone at a warehouse has found that frozen dough and gone we need to use this rather than waste it let's release it as an offer so this this came into Domino's menu in 2004 so it sat on this menu for 14 years of nobody buying it <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah so if you're a fan of that great you can have a double decadence but some positive news for our vegan listeners mm. so i know a lot of time uh, people are quite critical of things like vegan chocolate and vegan snacks and treats well you can now buy a vegan kit kat which has been made with rice baked rice based milk alternatives oh okay interesting so they've launched um they've launched it um obviously originally made from uh, milk chocolate but now the new arrival is going to combine the crispy wafer and the smooth chocolate blend with the rice make the rice milk alternative and it's called Kit Kat V it's going mm. to cost 1 pound and it's going to be available from Sainsbury's from today okay Kit Kat V I'll uh, give that a go um we tried a vegan sausage roll from Greg's the other day because we are that sort of classy couple. Um, and it was okay. It's quite kind of, um, uh, it's very herby, I guess. I, I think they've covered the flavour of whatever they've used for the meat substitute with lots of herbs to kind of uh, give it some sort of taste, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's, I didn't hate it. So yeah, it's, it, was, it was all right. So this new recipe, uh, it was developed by the chocolatiers and the food scientists at, uh, at Nestle's Research and Development Centre in York, uh, which is the home of the Kit Kat, which I did not know until sort of digging a little bit ah, deeper. Interesting. Um, and, and similar to the rest of the whole Kit Kat brand, it's going to be made of 100% certified sustainable cocoa sourced through Nestle's Cocoa Plan in collaboration with the Rainforest Alliance. So it's good that they're, again, looking at these sort of sensible and ethical approaches to providing people with a sweet treat cool are you a fan of a kit kat it's not really a biscuit for me but i don't mind it if it's there i'll eat it it's not the sort of thing that i crave no. i would sit there and go if i'm if i'm in a in a shop and i'm looking for maybe a chocolate bar of a sweet i'm more of a 
maybe more of a, a crunchy or an aero sort of uh, sort of a guy. Yeah. But a Kit Kat's okay because then you're essentially you're just having a biscuit with a tiny bit of chocolate. Yeah, true. Uh, it's weird. I I don't I don't I'm not I don't mind Kit Kats. Like again, I I wouldn't particularly go out my way to buy one or anything. But I quite like the Kit Kat um, like offshoots of their brand that they've done with like the Kit Kat Chunky, and then you got like the peanut butter flavor in that. Um, and the they do like the little bunnies at Easter as well. They're really nice because I think I think it's probably because like I say you get a little bit more chocolate in them, and then like a bit of. Uh, crunchy biscuit kind of hidden in amongst the chocolate so uh, that's probably why um, but you know I, I do like the offshoot brands of Kit Kat but not a massive fan of the uh, original Kit Kat I suppose but I will eat it if it's uh, you know if I have to <laughs> yeah we don't want food wasted <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, as, and one final thing as well for before we finish off food news so I had my final um, earthen wheat box delivered um, nice. last week and again, no bread. Oh. But I, again, I had wraps, pancakes, got some naan breads in it this time. Um, interestingly, since we messaged them about the packaging, um, they've now put in a recyclable flyer in there to tell you how to recycle all of your contents and all of your packaging. So right, I don't okay. know, again, if this sort of sparks them thinking we can do something about this and it sort of breaks down sort of the box the tape the the document they tell you about the recycling and the plastic wrapping okay and so obviously the box is recyclable the tape they use to send everything is biodegradable the paper that they print the um the recycling instructions on is also recyclable and now with the plastics that they use because obviously if you remember back on our previous podcast, where we mentioned about their response for the volume of plastic to package their their baked goods in. Yeah. Um, they've obviously now pointed out that these plastic bags can <coughs> be taken to any sort of supermarket store that obviously re- um, recycles plastic bags, and you can recycle them there. Now, again, cool. I'm I'm not anti that idea, and again, <coughs> I think I said their argument back not argument, their comment back was that without the plastic wrapping, they would not be able to save as much bread, which I think is, again, sometimes you've got to, to you know, you've got to rob from Peter to give to Paul, so to speak. So you've got to have some element of compromise. I yeah. like the idea that you can still take the plastic in to be recycled, and that's fine. But then I think to myself that if I want to be fully sustainable in my living, and obviously... Let's imagine carbon footprint for where it's come from anyway, so you've got to consider that. My nearest supermarket is maybe four or five miles away where they would recycle these bags, so I'd have to do a 10-mile round trip just to recycle my my plastics. Yep, yeah. So, yeah, again, it's uh, it's a compromise of sorts, but there are issues with it, isn't there? Uh, I think it's. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the food that, that food podcast has... Uh, created some change or or reaction um i reckon that's why they start putting those flyers in because you all email um it's quite a bold statement but yeah that food podcast creating change baby (laughs) that's what we set out to that's why we've realized we can end the podcast we've made a positive change in the environment (laughs) there we go and we can leave it be so what we can also take positivity out of is that the uk cannot write europop for love nor money (laughs) 
or stage <laughs> it or have a decent on on stage. And for those of you who are unsure of what I'm talking about, especially if you're not from um, from the European shores, um, we also got to, a few weeks ago, enjoy the delights of one of my favourite nights of the year and your favourite, one of your favourite nights of the year. It is. The Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, uh, what a wonderful contest it is. I loved it. And I know you had to listen to it in quiet, but did you still get the uh, the buzz of Eurovision? I loved it. And I, I remember <laughs> messaging you in the lead up to it that for the first time <coughs> in a very long time, I watched both semi-finals as yeah, well. Yeah, that's commitment. Um, I didn't, admittedly, because uh, I, I quite like seeing it on the night and being almost surprised by what I see because, let's face it, there's lots of wacky and wonderful characters that... Um, perform at Eurovision and I love it I love all that drama and that costuming and you know cheesy music and staging all that sort of stuff you know like obviously our background is wrestling so this is almost like similar in a way isn't it? it's lots of parallels there um so I do like the surprise of it but like next year I am tempted to watch the uh, the semi-finals and just to maybe like get into it even more did you find it kind of helped you um get more excited about it I think so, because also I got to witness the tracks that didn't make it to the final. Yeah, of course. Yeah. OK. Were there any ones that were sort of you wished you, they got through or disappointed that they didn't? I mean, I'm sure I've seen this and this is no disrespect to my Australian friends or anyone who, who listens in Australia. And I'm, I'm glad you <laughs> came to join us for the 50th anniversary of Eurovision. But with respect, guys, <laughs> you're not from Europe. Let's have a world song contest. I think the Americas are trying to do something similar. OK. Um, which I think will be an interesting watch, especially with like the different brands. For if, if you're doing North and South America, yeah. having that different variety of styles and genres of music, I think that would be a really interesting song contest if they do that. It would, wouldn't but, it? Um, Quite a diverse culture, isn't it, throughout? So that'd be, uh, that'd be interesting, yeah. But obviously the Australian entry was well thought out, well written, performed brilliantly, fantastic staging, but we don't want that. <laughs> we don't want people who do it really well. <laughs> no, it's not in the spirit of things, is it? That is not Eurovision spirit. We want slightly cheesy, uh, slightly bad songs and, and, uh, and cheesy performances. That's what we're all about. My favourite was on the first night of the semi-finals. So I was watching this at home, not on holiday. Um, and San Marino were closing out the first semi-final. And then just halfway through the song, up popped Flow Rider. <laughs> you, you messaged me at the start of the night and uh, keep an eye out for Flow Rider. And I, or no, keep an eye out for the, this country and um, see who yeah. pops up. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I was not disappointed. Very, very random to see him there. Uh, but there we go. That's, that's the beauty of Eurovision. And also Angry Bird Lady from the Ukraine. She was fantastic. I enjoyed her, <laughs> her performance very much. Sort of, it's essentially, it would be like, if, like a peacock was just shouting at you for five minutes. And I thought, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And then, and in a then the two kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was hor horrifically <laughs> scary in a, in a brilliant way. And then obviously uh, from a, a rock band background, having the Italian entry and um, the Finnish entry were excellent to have sort of hard rock and metal re return to the Eurovision stage. Um, but obviously, Eurovision itself was hosted in the Netherlands. Yes. And that was the inspiration for this week's recipe of the week, which was Ayrton soup, which per our recipe was described as a hearty, smoky soup featuring green split peas simmered down with pork, carrots, onions, leeks, and celeriac. 
Um, it also goes by the name of Snurt, or just Dutch Split Pea Suit. But where's the fun in just calling it Dutch Split Pea Suit? Well, let's <laughs> call it Snurt or Ayrton Soup for the purposes of this podcast. I quite like Snurt. That sounds like, um, I don't know, cartoon character or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the, rest, the ingredients for Snurt... <laughs> you need two cups of green split peas. You needed two Schnert. bacon bones. <laughs> <laughs> you needed two bacon bones, smoked bacon bones for that matter, two bacon rashers, uh, one and a quarter litres of cold water, one onion stuffed with ten cloves, two leeks, mm. two carrots, half a celeriac peeled and diced into small um, pieces, one pork chop, two teaspoons of beef stock and some black pepper. Now, Matt, did you have any issues getting any of these ingredients? Yes, bacon bones straight off the bat. I had, uh, I could not get access. Um, I, I think I don't know if my butcher was struggling to uh, get some or what, but uh, I, I couldn't get any. Um, so I didn't get any bacon bones. But what I will say, from a taste point of view, because the bacon bones and the bacon kind of gives it that smoky flavour, doesn't it? Obviously. Yeah. Um, it for me, it didn't affect how smoky I would want it to be anyway I, I feel like actually with the addition of the bacon bones it could possibly have been um uh too smoky too too much of that sort of meaty flavor uh with the smoked bacon that i use um it was actually a good level for me uh, did you get hold of bacon bones okay were your butchers a bit more uh, useful than mine on this occasion i didn't but they came up with a sensible alternative so they basically said, why don't you just try and use some of this stuff off these ham hocks uh, as well? Okay. And I was yeah. like, eh, well, I mean, technically, it's it's bacon bone-ish, taking stuff out of a ham hock. Yeah, give it yeah. a try. So I cool. got that. But the uh, ingredient I couldn't get hold of remarkably was green split peas. I could only find yellow. Yeah, same here. So I had the same problem. Yeah, I could only find yellow. Um, I went to... Um, it was Tesco's for my kind of other ingredients. Uh, no green split peas in sight. Uh, it did say if you uh, drop down through the menu and um, method, it does say you can use yellow, but I think it gives it a slightly more um, or slightly less sweet taste, I suppose. Uh, but I had no issues with it. It's all good. So the whole per- the, one of the good <coughs> things about this recipe is a lot of it is you can just leave it for quite a long period of time so you start off with your big pot because obviously you're going to be making a a lot of it you pour in your split peas add in the bake into the empty pot straight away so you don't have anything in the pot you empty it in add in your bacon bones bacon pieces pork chop uncooked pork chop pepper Mm. black stock sorry but black pepper beef stock the clove studded onion cloving an onion I've never cloved an <laughs> onion before. How no. did you get on? This is new to me as well. Uh, I it was it was different. That's all I can say about this. It was it was fine. Um, it did say in the recipe that you can use a little knife to kind of create some holes before um, sticking the cloves in. But me being uh, stubborn and uh, uh, just a typical male, I suppose, I'm just there jabbing away with the uh, the cloves, try to get them through the onion skin. Um, but yeah, it's certainly unique. Um, yeah, how about you? Um, again, similar to you, I could have used a knife, but I chose to be <laughs> um, 
a knucklehead and try and smash it. <laughs> the number of broken clothes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just to go yeah, into other things. Yeah, so it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> but I, the concept of it, because I'd never thought of it before, because obviously if you're cooking with cloves and you chuck things in, you've then got to fish them out with a slotted spoon at a later yeah. date. Mm. Having them in the onion makes it so much easier to get them out. It was a genius idea, which I'd never thought of. And certainly if I need to have you know cloves in something, I'm definitely going to stuff them into a another part so I don't have to fish around for like 10 cloves because by the time everything's boiled down and mulched in you don't want to just be biting into a clove no. so having it into an onion was was a great idea yeah. and I, like when i was cooking cooking this harriet said to me it's like daddy you're not cooking the meat you will get ill follow <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh, oh. the recipe harriet that's the rules <laughs> is that because it was being boiled in a pot as opposed to being Kind of grilled or grilled or yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously she, it, she's so used to being told, like if she touches meat, wash your hands. Do not put your yeah, hands in your mouth. Yeah. Do not do this and that. But I, then, so I can see a logic. To be fair, I, oh, it, yeah. it was um, different to basically boil a uh, pork chop, wasn't it? I'd never boiled a pork chop before either. No, this recipe. No, me neither. But we pour in the water, we fire up our stove, and we're off to the off to the races. You bring it to the boil, and you let it simmer for 45 minutes, stirring occasionally and scooping off any of the broth foam that appears. After 45 minutes, you remove the pork chop, slice the meat off the bones, and we'll be adding that back in later in the recipe. Mm-hmm. We add in all of our veggies, so our leeks, carrots, celeriac, everything we've got there. Stir it in, cook over a medium heat for half an hour. And then stirring occasionally to make sure the vegetables don't stick to the bottom. With 15 minutes to go, I took out my ham hock bone and my um, clove studded onion. We removed the cloves from the onion, chopped the onion back up, chucked that in, back in with the pork into the soup. And then, listener, if you made this with us, you had a choice. Oh, yes. Do you leave it as a lumpy soup or do you blend it? Big decision. Uh... Who's going first on this, Stu? Did you blend or not blend? To blend or I not to blend is the question. I split my saucepan at this stage into two separate saucepans, and I blended one half, and I did not blend the other. And then you mixed it back in, just like <laughs> yeah. I, just like I did. I did exactly the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So I I, I separated, um, not quite half, but probably about a quarter of the recipe. Uh, put some of the chunkier stuff into a bowl uh, and then, yeah, blended the rest, chucked some of the chunkier stuff back in. Um, and for me, that's a really nice compromise because you still got the thickness of the stuff that you've blended. Uh, so it wasn't too watery because by the time you cooked it, it was still fairly watery. Well, it was for me anyway. Uh, but by the time I blended it, it kind of mixed it all together, made it nice and thick. Uh, but then you also had the pleasant surprise of occasional crunch of carrots or a little chew of um, pork. So, yeah, that worked really well for me. Yeah, and I think the thing, like you mentioned, it was quite watery before blending. Yeah. And the recipe says, like, your final soup should be thick enough to stand your spoon up in. Yeah. And as mine was quite watery, I, unless you managed to, like, sandwich it in between some vegetables so it wouldn't go anywhere, I wouldn't... I wouldn't back the structural integrity of my non-blended element of soup to hold a spoon. <laughs> no, no, same here. Um, I don't know. I, I'm always a little bit sceptical with the amount of water that recipes ask you to add. Um, I've done recipes in the past where I ask you to add X amount of water. And I do find it quite often too much. And that's and then the, the sauce is too runny. Um, on this occasion, because in the spirit of the podcast, I, I just followed it precisely. 
but for, for other recipes, um, like chili is one of my favorite things to make. The recipe that I use suggests X amount of water. I actually do like ha less than half of what they suggest and it works out really well. Um, I just think maybe some recipes kind of get over eager with the amount of water that needs to be chucked in. I always find if you add less and then add more if you need to towards the end, if it looks a little dry, uh, that's the best way forward. I'd agree. We've said on previous podcasts how much I hate watery oh, yeah, food. Yeah. Like, if you've got a sauce and it's it's a thick sauce because you want it to be able to stick to, let's say, your pasta or your rice, whatever you're doing. After I finish dinner, I don't want a lake <coughs> in the bottom of my plate. And I know that's, you know, obviously soup, you part and parcel. It's a liquid dinner. So I accept there will be an element of water in there. Hmm. But you want to have something where if you're dipping your bread in, again, it doesn't just absorb into the bread and you're just left with a soggy bit of bread you want to have some degree of you know residue yeah, on that bread as you well you want it to stick to the bread don't you and you want to bring it out with chunks of a soup as opposed to as you say just making a, a a damp piece of bread which isn't appealing is it so but i think that lived up to it once you blended it up it did blend nicely um <clears throat> and yeah really important part of the process i guess but i did like the compromise of having the chunky bits left over too yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of thick soups. So when you're looking at things like lentil and bacon soups, leek and potato soups, they're the sort of the go-to ones. Obviously not yeah. when it's so hot at the moment, because obviously you know, it has got a bit warm for cooking soup for basically <laughs> the best part of two hours. It's definitely the wrong time of year for soup, isn't it? But I did enjoy it. And the other good thing <coughs> is you, know, you can now freeze this for a long period of time so obviously we're expecting some storms over the weekend if it's going to pour down with rain i've got some leftover portions of this in the freezer i can take it out i can reheat it and we'll be good to go and again it's the sort of thing that mm. if i come home if i've got a late meeting at work or my wife wants to eat food with harriet and I, i'm sort of out or busy or working then at least i know i can just go and grab something from the freezer or have it defrosted in the morning, and, and we're good to go. And like you said, I think with the water content, I think it just helps make the volume of servings. Because mm. obviously, like you said, if yeah, you've got yeah. a bit of excess water, but you've still got enough veg to do it, you know, it it's going to extend, extend the, the length and the number of servings you can have um, from, your di from your dish. So again, if you're serving, let's say, a family of five, family of six with this, you know, at least you know you've got enough to do it. Dip the bread in, and it's going to go further, and everyone's still going to get the goodness from the from the meat and from the veg as well. Yeah, yeah. So how d how d I was going to say so. Go on. How did you find it? How did you find the whole cooking process? I really enjoyed this one. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I did this yesterday, um, and it, I did it before my shift at work. I was on a late shift yesterday, and I, I really enjoyed the process. I had some music on in the background. Um, I had all my ingredients out. I was well prepared. Um, had time and space to do it and yeah it just flowed really nicely really enjoyable recipe to make um, really I, I messaged you actually I sent a couple of pictures and um, uh, I, I made a comment on how nice it all smelt as well you kind of got that nice kind of you know when you, you, you smell bacon in the morning and you kind of that nice smoky smell come through um, that was really good as well really pleasant and as soon as I start to get the smell of it I could tell that I was going to enjoy the the flavor as well I'm quite a big fan of um, smoky flavored food um, so uh, Amy's not so much uh, but she still enjoyed this uh, she had really uh, she she had it for dinner last night when she got in um, so even from a point of view of someone who's not a massive smoky food fan she did enjoy it and what I started looking at uh, and a little tangent here 
is <clears throat> doing this as a uh, veg or vegetarian or vegan alternative, and if there's any way to kind of get that smoky flavour. And there's actually something called um, liquid smoke, which some are uh, vegetarian uh, versions of. And it's like a just a liquid where you use a, a dropper, put a few drops into the into the soup or whatever you're trying to kind of get that smoky flavour from, and you can recreate that uh, smoky taste. So this can be done as a uh, vegetarian alternative as well if you get the uh, the liquid uh, liquid smoke. How about you, Tax? Are you a smoky food flavoured fan? Um, did this go down well with you guys? I love smoky food. I think it's one of the <coughs> treats in life. And as you said, the aromas that came out of the cooking mm-hmm. phase, even the silly things, and this will probably sound a bit, even the smell, you know, like sometimes when you're cooking and then afterwards, before you go and wash your hands, it's a case of there's definite prominent aromas on my fingertips and things like that. Just cloving the onion and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. process, like so, so the whole cooking process, it smelled good. The kitchen smelled amazing. Yeah. I, I didn't have time to make bread, but I can imagine if you have that plus the smell of freshly baked bread going on at the same time. Oh, yeah. What what a kitchen. And uh, as you said, even though it was a hot day when we, uh, when we ate this, it was incredible. I think there's something to be said um, for soups, which is why it was quite interesting to do a soup, because, you know, as we said, it takes about two hours to cook. Whereas if you buy, get yourself <coughs> a tin from the cupboard, it's done in two minutes. It's ding, you can eat it, you're ready to go. Mm. But this way, you know exactly what's going in, because a lot of tin soup, if you look down the ingredients list, the volume of salt content you've got in there, and, you know, this is... Uh, you know, it's not. I'm not saying this isn't going to be a salty dinner for you, based on the ingredients we're cooking. But we're not actually throwing in no. teaspoons and teaspoons of or tablespoons of salt into this when we cook there, it. There was no additional salt, was it? It's just the, I guess, the salt which would come out of the the pork and bacon, right? Yeah, exactly. So that that was good in that way, and it's one of those things that, again, like I mentioned about self sufficient living. Mm-hmm. You know these these vegetables are cheap. They're easy to come by locally to you. These are things that are quite easy to grow. I'm not so sure how easy it's to grow celeriac. I'll let you know if any of my celeriac ever comes up <laughs> uh, in my garden. Um, but it's it was something. I, I don't know because I I had been on holiday <laughs> or it was just nice to be cooking by myself in the kitchen again. As you said, throwing on some music. But there was something really relaxing about making this soup because. Again, you can do all the bits, leave it simmer for 45 minutes, come back in occasionally, scoop off the, st- the, yep. the, the top. And just, it's it was a very relaxing, not to sound too sort of hippie-like, it was a very zen-like state of cooking. It was like, I feel this is a great life to live. <laughs> yeah, I completely know where you're coming from. I was the same. Uh, I would highly recommend this to anyone because it's not a particularly difficult recipe to make either. Uh, when you start to look at some of the ingredients it might seem daunting if you've never used uh, split peas before or if you're unsure of where you're going to get bacon bones from but as Stu mentioned earlier there are alternative ideas there but it's such a nice peaceful relaxing recipe to make um uh, we obviously both love the process of cooking anyway so that's a bit of a given i suppose um but you know if you're starting out cooking give this a go i think you'll really enjoy it um and again, it's nice to see that process for yourself and actually giving that, uh, giving that a go and knowing what's going into the, the pot um, and actually seeing with your own eyes. And that's the other thing, like the ingredients you touched on already were really, uh, it sounds, again, maybe a bit hippish or weird, but it's like really nice ingredients. There's like nice colors and nice smells and things like that. And 
yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasant one to get involved with. Um, great choice. When you mentioned the colours as well, I thought it was quite important because with the yellow split piece, I don't know if we don't with more or less of a vibrant colour, but I felt that it was a very interesting looking bowl of soup and i know that sounds really silly to say <laughs> from a soup soup perspective because you're gonna you look at a bowl of soup let's say take a brand of like heinz or campbell's tomato soup you cook it in a saucepan or you ding it in the microwave and you look at it you go ready orange soup great or even like i mentioned before if i have a tin of lentil and bacon soup it's never appealing to the eye i've never looked at a soup and gone you know what <laughs> that is something i really <laughs> want to eat yeah. But cooking this, having the the difference in contrast, knowing like I've got a really good pork chop in there, I've got some really nice bacon in there. Genuinely, I d again, I don't know if it's just because of a frame of mind I was in cooking this dish, but I was like, I cannot wait to eat this. This is <laughs> amazing. Just, it, you know, people say always, you know, you eat with your eyes, which yeah. you do. But I looked at this and I thought, I w the only thing I wish when looking at it is that I had like a crusty bread roll to dip into it. That's the only thing that was missing rather than just a piece of, yeah, not same. disparaging it, just a standard slice of wholemeal bread yeah. <laughs> to dip in mine. Yeah, that's the same. Um, like you, I didn't really have time to make bread and I didn't have any crusty bread in the house. Uh, so that's what I would, I definitely would cook this again. Um, and the thing I would do different is to either make some nice crusty bread or uh, buy some from... Uh, from somewhere how about you would you venture into this one again do you think i uh, sounds like you enjoyed it so would you give it another crack definitely because the cost of the ingredients isn't too much it's going to go a long way and i can just imagine having this available either cooking it on the day or just ding it at lunchtime coming up to winter again calorific wise not too bad and just sitting there in the warm in my house in the winter it's pouring with rain outside this is what i'm looking forward to a nice like sit down lunchtime from work obviously I'm, i hope i'll still be in my job and still be working from home at that stage nice warm thing in my kitchen eating some wholesome good for me soup yeah i'm i'm all over this again and it's it's interesting you mentioned whether you know we'd cook it again so before our last uh, podcast in a few weeks time I think it would be interesting to pick our top three recipes that we cooked for the whole run of this podcast. Because yep. for me, I think at the moment, and again, obviously I'll have to go back and look at our recipes and my notes from uh, what, we've, what we've cooked on that food podcast. This is one of the more in most enjoyable things because, you know, I, I picked it, it was a traditional Dutch dish. We picked a Dutch dish because Eurovision was hosted there. It was a bit of a throwaway find because I thought, well, it needs to be traditional. I thought, oh, bacon bones, that could be interesting enough. I could get them. But at the end of the day, my f initial concept was, ah, it's just a soup. But <laughs> in my mind, and I don't know if it's because obviously I had the Eurovision insight or how much I enjoyed cooking, this is more than a soup to me. <laughs> <laughs> more than a soup. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. Um, well, I think that's a really good idea to do our top three. Um, my top 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 would be and it's no surprise oh here. save it save it save it for next week save it for next week okay well <laughs> i was just gonna say there's only one dish and i won't mention what it is there's only one dish that got the huntley handshake during the course of our podcast so um but we'll talk a little bit about that next week awesome um 
obviously we've done a quite a bit of catch up uh, for this this week's episode leading into our final episode when we next record. Um, I thought I'd just give a quick update on the body guy <laughs> experiment. Yes, please. How's it going? Uh, I'm fallen off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay. I th- What's happened? I think. I, well, no, no, nothing too bad. I just think that <coughs> with leading up to the holiday, it was sort of quite busy and quite stressful work. So my eating was not of a heightened level. I think obviously being on holiday, just enjoying myself quite a bit, and then obviously when I came back from um, holiday. Um, again, just I've been spending a lot of time doing stuff in my garden, and whilst that's relatively decent cardio exercise, I've not been focusing on my weightlifting. I've not been focusing on my hit. So I started again this week um, to start pushing things down because I started thinking, "Hang on a minute, this belt where I was on the final buckle is feeling awfully tight. It wasn't feeling this tight a few weeks ago." <laughs> so whilst I am, I'm still feeling quite strong, and um, I've still got my cardio bits. Um, I've set myself some other targets. So again, still focusing back on the on the weightlifting bits as well, going back onto a bit more structured eating. But I've also, due to our, our love for the Apple Watch, I'm trying to increase my 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 VO2 max. Yes. Okay. Because this sum this time last summer, my VO2 max was above average. Yeah. Now. What's confusing, and again, I don't know if it's I've changed Apple Watch or it's changed the algorithm for how it gauges this, but I can still run a 5K in the same time with the same amount of calorie burn and the same level of heart rate. I can still walk the same distances and do the same. And I look back at my times compared to between now and last year when I was above average for my VO2 max, and now it's below average, and I don't know why. I don't know what's happened to suddenly push me back back down that way. So I'm really... It sounds silly because obviously it's just a graph and it's just stats, but I'm also now very hell bent on not only you know developing sort of more toned muscle um, as as we go through. I really want to get that back up to above average because that was one of the things I thought to myself that especially with doing all this Sean T insanity stuff, my cardio even now I I start I've jumped back into doing insanity on Monday and Tuesday um, this week. And that was, again, working out in the garage when it was blistering hot. It was horrendously sweaty and disgusting. But my cardio, I can still do it to a full... I mean, it's hard work, and I'm gassed. I I think I maxed out about 18 minutes into the half-hour workout, and then obviously got straight back into it when I need to take a breather. But, yeah, it it confused me as to why it's, it's, it's dropped. So... Body guys still on. I don't anticipate having the six pack by Christmas that I really wanted to, but I will certainly have more toned muscle. And now I want to get this VO2 max yeah. back up to above average. VO2 max is a bit of a riddle um, when it comes to how it's displayed on the Apple uh, Watch. And I, I, it's something I do keep an eye on as well. I got a little bit obsessed with it last year. For those that aren't aware of what it is, uh, VO2 max is the um, maximum amount of oxygen that your body can utilize during exercise so the higher percentage the uh you know the more efficient your body is at using oxygen and therefore you know you can potentially run faster or uh, last for longer in a hit session without blowing up that sort of thing um and i was um i was above 50 percent um for my vo2 max which uh, is very good from things that i've looked at before online uh, I'm now around uh, 46, 47, kind of in that area at the moment. Um, and it's I can see why I'm not as 
active in terms of like doing as much hit or cardio at the moment. Um, so it does that does make sense to me. But there have been times like used to where it's just dropped off for no particular reason. Uh, I, I do, as I can tell you do too. I do take quite uh, a lot of pride in being above average in these readings, um, and I did drop below average last year for reasons I couldn't really comprehend, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's, it's mad, isn't it, how uh, infuriating it can be and kind of um, not demotivating, I suppose, but just like, what do I need to do to get to this, you know, get back to where I was before? And uh, yeah, it, it does become a little bit of an obsession. With the Apple Watch over the past few weeks, I have tried to not be such a slave to it. And if I do have a rest day, I have a rest day. And if it doesn't show up on my stats that I've hit my, car uh, you know, calories burnt that day or exercise minutes and things like that, I'm not as worried about it as I was, which I think probably a little bit healthier to kind of have that balance maybe from a psychological point of view. Um, but yeah, very too, Max. Um, and with you going back to your bodyguard project, you've got plenty of time to get that six pack before Christmas, too. <laughs> Oh yeah, but just to show how how it was. So my 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 measurement in the eleventh of June last year was forty six point four, and I jumped back to um, when did it start taking a VO two max reading for me? So it was um, on the fourteenth of June. So this was a couple of days ago, and it was down to thirty three point six. But I still did wow. the same running, <coughs> the same time, the same calorie burn, the same routes. And it's like, I don't understand. The only thing I can imagine is the Apple Watch has realised I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know, yeah. And it's ageist, but... Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really hell-bent to get it back up to the mid-40s yeah. um, as I can. But obviously, I also wonder what might have not helped me is sometimes, because Harriet likes seeing the, the dials on my watch, if I walk her to school... And back, obviously, she likes to dawdle. We have to stop and look at things. She sets my watch for the walking. And as it normally takes more than 15 minutes to walk her there and back, I'm wondering, not trying to make excuses for my, my shambolic levels of fitness, <laughs> I wonder if it's picked up that it says, oh, it takes you 18 minutes to walk one kilometre. You're very unfit. Uh, <laughs> and I wonder if that's, yeah, that might know, be contributing to it. It could well it. be. It could well be. Yeah. I'd, you never know what the algorithm is for these things, do you? So... It could possibly be that. Um, it is occasionally a mystery, but I do love all that stuff. I do like looking at the stats and trying to uh, increase uh, increase my uh, current form and stuff like that. So, yeah, proper Apple Watch nerds, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, the best opponent. I mean, I like the fact that I can still take like my oxygen level on my Apple Watch, and it was 98% um, as we spoke, so I assume... I need to work hard to get that 2% oxygen uh, recovered. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. a, a neat little feature. That's on the newer version, isn't it, of the Apple yeah. Watch, right? Yeah, yeah. So how does that do that? Does it like send a pulse through the, the, yeah, you, the blood? You, 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 have to, you have to essentially, if you're going to do it, you have to sort of put your finger on the dial, hold it in, and then you, ha you have to sit still, keep your body in the same position for the, the 30 seconds that it measures it. Right. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it, it measures your blood oxygen level, which it's amazing, like how technology has advanced. And I'm sure we'll touch on it in the last episode, um, sort of the influence of tech and, and sort of our cooking, our living, our food. Um, but because we have one more episode, it means we have the opportunity to cook one more final recipe of the week, and it's obviously your choice for the final episode. It is so. 
you know we discussed earlier that it's a little bit too hot for soup. Well, we did, yeah. It's a scorching weather for soup. Really hot, really warm at the moment, isn't it? Um, you don't want to be cooking soup in this weather. You don't want to be cooking soup in this weather. It's too hot, isn't it? Don't you think it's true? I definitely agree. <laughs> well, this week we're going to be cooking soup. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Uh, and I'll tell you for why. Because in our, this is a completely selfish endeavour, uh, as most podcast hosts uh, are, I guess, with these things. Um, <laughs> we currently have a collection of 18 onions in our in our cupboard for some reason. <laughs> so Amy did a click and collect. And you know sometimes when you click on something and you think you're getting, you know, a, a whatever, X amount of something. Well, anyway, we had 18 onions turn up in our click and collect the other day. So we had, well, probably more than that because we've used a few since then. I think at one point we had 20 plus onions in our household. So... <laughs> <laughs> in order to use up some of these onions this week <laughs> we are taking a little trip to one of my favorite des- destinations in the world I have lovely lovely memories of going to this place we are going to be making french onion soup so there we go it's oh cheap. good i mean this is a classic dish this is what you see on a lot a lot of like uh, 90s restaurant menus as well. Starter, French onion soup. Yes. Amazing. So this is something that I, uh, despite uh, having travelled to France quite a few occasions now, something I haven't tried before. Uh, so I am keen to give it a go in terms of cooking it and eating it. Uh, probably won't be able to recreate what you might find out in the, in the land of uh, garlic and stripy tops and berets and things like that. <laughs> not to be stereotypical, um, but <laughs> but I am looking forward to trying this dish. Uh, I am looking forward to getting rid of some of these onions that are stockpiled in our cupboard. Um, sorry if it's a crap one to finish, <laughs> but, we'll give it, but if it is, we can slag it off on our last episode <laughs> and have a lovely time doing it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, I look forward to that. Um, so, again, <coughs> we are going to be recording one more episode of That Food Podcast so make sure if you want to keep up with us, follow us on our social media platforms, That Food Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We really want you to interact with us for our last episode. Ask us any questions, whether it be about our cooking, our wrestling, our fitness, our lives in general, my terrible allotment that I need to somehow. <laughs> Actually, I tell you what, dear listener, if you can recommend something natural, I can put in my little allotment to stop the neighbour's cat coming in and pooing on my beetroot. I'd be very interested. <laughs> interested in hearing from you that's uh good yeah guys thank you very much um again it's our penultimate episode today so please get your questions in so we can uh, have a little bit of a chinwag next week based on your suggestions um and thanks for all your uh your hours listening to us over the space of time that we've done this and we'll have a nice little roundup episode next week guys thank you very much we'll see you next time see you everyone goodbye